Today we're going to jump into um, an old series, Base Camp. Base Camp's a series that we've been doing over the past three years, and we've been doing a little bit each year, and, and what Base Camp is, is it's laying the basics of our faith. It's, a, it's an understanding that if we are going to go deeper in our walk with Christ, we have to know what we believe, we have to have a solid foundation, and so base camp kind of comes from the idea of uh, mountain climbing, and in mountain climbing, if you're climbing any sort of real mountain, which I never have, but I've, I've watched lots of movies and videos about it, because I love mountain climbing, I just am not a mountain climber. How many of you want to see me climb a mountain? <laughs> not happening. Um, but I'm going to watch movies about it. In fact, on the way to Guatemala and back, I watched several movies about people like mountain climbing, people climbing with like no ropes or anything. And I just thought, you guys are crazy. Not, yeah, I'm going to go there. Yeah, it, I'm, I may fly over it at some point, but I'm not going to climb it. And so, so one of the things that happens when you're climbing any sort of real mountain, like big mountain, and it's major mountain climbing, you've got to have a base camp. You've got to have a place that you store your supplies, that you meet up, that you make your plan, that, that kind of is the base, the foundation of what you're doing. And so base camp is our way of, of kind of going back to the foundation and making sure we're solid on what we believe. I just have a hunch, I have a feeling that today in the church, in the church as a whole, that we're pretty good at being inclusive to people, we're pretty good at getting people to come to church. But I have a fear that sometimes we're not very good at taking people deeper into their walk with Christ, really laying that foundation for what we believe and why we believe it. And my fear is that, that kind of the shallow Christianity will play itself out and, and one day we'll be in trouble because we don't have that solid deep foundation. And so I want to make sure. So over the last three years, we've been going through uh, the Nazarene Articles of Faith. We're a church of the Nazarene. We have 16 Articles of Faith. And so this is our third year of base camp. We're going to do the last five Articles of Faith. Today, we're going to talk about Article 12, which is baptism. Today, we're just talking about baptism, Article 12. How many of you are baptism experts? Anyone? Anyone just done a ton of studying about baptism? Listen, I went to three years of, of uh, Trevecca Nazarene University religion major. I went to Mount Vernon and got a master's in ministry, and I have never really studied. Maybe I just missed the classes. That's very possible. But I have never really gotten as deep into baptism as I have in this past week. And, and so this has been really good for me, just to learn more about baptism. And I'm glad none of you raised your hands, because now I don't feel like you're going to come up to me after and tell me that I was all wrong about everything. <laughs> But, but I've done a lot of studying of baptism, and so we're going to look at Article 12, um, the Nazarene Church, Article 12, what we believe about baptism. And, um, and, and so this is a little bit tricky. On the screen, it's going to come up, and I, I just want to tell you that Article 12 is being changed. Let me talk really quickly about this. I don't want to bore you too much with, with Nazarene nerddom, but, but the Articles of Faith, when, when it's decided that an Article of Faith should be changed, the wording in an Article of Faith, what happens is usually a team is put together, and they study that article, and they come up and they say, it would be better to word it this way, because what, the way we say it is important. Um, it, it 
it, it's what we believe. And, and so the, a group comes together and studies the article and then proposes a change. So what's happened is last time at, at General Assembly, which is, is when the whole church comes together, there was a proposal that Article 12 should be changed. And what happens is it's accepted there at General Assembly, and then it has to go to all the districts, and all the districts have to say, yeah, we're in agreement with that. So that's the process that's happening right now with Article 12. So you're going to see the whole thing, but I'm just going to read what it's going to be. I'm pretty sure. And what you'll find is that what's up there is pretty similar to what it's going to be. They're just kind of changing a few words. So here's Article 12, um, baptism. We believe that Christian baptism commanded by our Lord is a sacrament signifying acceptance of the benefits of the atonement. And then I'm going to skip down. This, this next part is going to be removed. So we believe that Christian baptism, the commanded by our Lord, is a sacrament um, signifying acceptance of the benefits of atonement and incorporation into the body of Christ. Baptism is a means of grace proclaiming faith in Jesus Christ as Savior it is to be administered to believers indicating their full purpose of obedience and holiness and righteousness. As participants in the new covenant, young children and the morally innocent may be baptized upon the request of parents or guardians. The church shall give assurance of Christian training and baptism may be administered by sprinkling, pouring, or immersion. So there it is. There is the Nazarene. How many of you love just hearing definitions of anyone? Yeah, okay, that's fine. But this is what we believe. And, and so baptism, uh, here's what I want to do today. I want us to walk through this a little bit at a time. I want us to study why we believe what we believe. I want us to look at God's word, which is where our beliefs come from. And then at the end, I, I want to get to some kind of common questions. Uh, I want to answer some questions that you may or may not have about baptism. So let's just jump into this. The first thing we see, we believe that Christian baptism commanded by our Lord. Why do we believe so strongly in baptism in the church? Because Jesus commanded his people, his followers to be baptized. Jesus said, repent and be baptized. Jesus also said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself was obedient in baptism. Jesus was baptized. This is a command. This is something that Jesus wants all of his followers to do, to be baptized. So one of the reasons that we believe strongly that baptism is a sacrament and that we celebrate that is because this is what Jesus commands us to do. So some of you, um, we'll just start with a quick question. A, a question that might come up or might be in your mind is, do I have to be baptized? Do I have to be baptized? And I want to answer this by talking to you about my kids for a second. Sometimes we'll, we'll tell our kids, hey, we want you to clean the living room. And my kids will say, do I have to clean the living room? And we say, no, you get to clean the living room. Do you, do you see that? You get, do you have to be baptized? That's the wrong way to look at it. You get to be baptized. Jesus commands it. We believe Jesus wants all followers of Christ to be baptized. So do you have to? You get to. You get to worship and be obedient to the almighty God by being baptized. Now, now I just want to be really clear 
do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? The answer to that question is no. There are scriptures, there are times, in fact, one that comes to mind immediately is the thief on the cross beside Jesus um, who expresses his faith and Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And it's clear that they didn't just, hey, hold on, we got to baptize this guy so he can go to heaven. That's not what's happening. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. Baptism is not a ticket to heaven. You don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. But I would say this, Jesus commands us to be baptized if we are going to follow him. So I would say you should be baptized in obedience to Jesus. Now, there may be some circumstances, like we said, where that's difficult, but I believe that God calls each and every one of us to be baptized if we're going to follow him. And, and so moving on, it's commanded by our Lord. The second thing it says, baptism is a sacrament, a sacrament, which means it's a means of grace. It, sacrament means grace flows. So sacraments are kind of a special thing in God's church. And, and in the Nazarene church and in most Protestant churches, there are two sacraments. I know you're learning a lot today. Just soak this in. This is like, this is like master's level stuff. It's really not. But, but this is good stuff. I want you to know why we celebrate baptism. It's a sacrament. There are two sacraments in most Protestant churches, baptism and communion. Now, some of you may have gone to a Catholic church. The Catholic church recognizes seven sacraments. There are other denominations that recognize different amounts, but in the Nazarene church, we recognize two things as sacraments. Let me give you just a quick, why is that? Why? So like in the Catholic church, marriage is a sacrament. We don't hold marriage as a sacrament. One of the criteria for our church, for Protestant churches, of what a sacrament is, is is it commanded of all people? And marriage is not something that's commanded to all people. Some people stay single. Some people we believe are even called to be single. And so, so sacrament, it's a sacrament. That means grace flows. It's a means of grace. Grace, what does grace mean? It means unmerited assistance, divine assistance. Unmerited divine assistance. So, so grace flowing, that means God is doing something and we are receiving grace that is unmerited. We didn't earn it. It's not about us. See, baptism is not about what we do. Baptism is about what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus will do. So let's just, right here, baptism is not about us. It's about God's glory. It's about the grace of God flowing to us and through us. So it's a sacrament. So, so I talked about um, in the Catholic church, there's the sacrament of a wedding. I think that's a good parallel um, for baptism. So a wedding, in a wedding, you have a celebration of a marriage, right? But, but it's not a celebration of what's been accomplished by the people. What you're celebrating in marriage is, is what God has done bringing two people together. It's not like, hey, look at us, we're getting married, we've accomplished so much. No, it's, we're celebrating that God brought, baptism is about celebrating what God has done. A marriage is also about celebrating what God will do 
Two people are joined together, and that's not the end, but they continue to grow and be united. In the same way, baptism isn't just about what Jesus has done, it's about what Jesus is doing and what Jesus will do in our lives. So let's talk about baptism as a means of grace, grace flowing, it's a sacrament. Why is that? Number one, it goes on and it says, it's a sacrament signifying acceptance of the benefits of atonement. Now these are some, some big words, we're gonna work through this. Signifying acceptance of the benefits of atonement. So it's signifying, it's a sign, it's an outward sign. This is the language we use in the church all the time. It's an outward sign of an inward work. Baptism is not the work itself. There's no magic in the water in baptism. Baptism is an outward sign of what God has done, is doing, and will do in our lives, an inward work. And so, so it's a sacrament. Grace is flowing because of what Jesus has done. It's a signifying acceptance of the benefits of atonement. So, so first off, grace flows because the price has been paid for our sin. Anyone just wanna say thank you Jesus for that? Grace flows in baptism because Jesus paid the price for our sins. So in baptism, we have this, this dunking underwater or, and you know, it could be sprinkling or different ways of doing baptism. But in baptism, we celebrate what Jesus has done in saving us from our sins. Romans chapter five, I didn't have you stand earlier. This was an intentional tactic to get you to stay awake through the whole sermon. Everyone stand up with me, we're gonna read God's word. Romans chapter five, we're gonna read verse 12. Then we're going to read verse 18 and 19. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. Let me stop right there. Death entered the world through one man, sin and death, and sin and death became all of us. We all have struggled and sinned and fallen short. Jumping down to verse 18, consequently, just as one trespass result, resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Amen. That's good stuff. You can have a seat. So sin and death entered the world. What this is talking about is Adam and Eve in the garden. And in the beginning, Adam and Eve chose their own selfish way. They had the choice to be obedient or to try to do things their way. And Adam decided that he would go his own way. He, sin entered the world. And we believe that sin not only entered Adam, but ever since every single one of us was born with a nature or a will to be selfish and sinful. There's not a person, some of you are really, really wonderful people. There's not one of us in here that was not born with a selfish, sinful nature. There's not one of us in here that has not missed the mark. There's not one of us in here that hasn't blown it. We were born with a nature to sin and be selfish. And so just as 
sin entered through one man's choice, we hear through the work of another, Jesus Christ, we are all forgiven and made righteous. So what Jesus has done, I've got bad news. You were created a sinful, selfish person. I've got really good news. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price on a cross so that you could be forgiven and justified. That's good stuff. So in baptism, I mean, one of the things where grace flows right away is just us understanding the work that Jesus has done for us. But see, Jesus not only died on a cross, he rose to life again. There was resurrection and, and, and he had victory over sin and death. And so, so Jesus gave his life so we could be forgiven. But I want to take this to the next level because it's not just about us being forgiven for all of our bonehead mistakes or our selfishness or our sin. In baptism, we understand that we are accepting Christ as our Savior and we are surrendering, when you accept Christ as your savior, you surrender your selfish, sinful nature. There's language we talk about all the time in the church, so we have to die to self. So grace flows in baptism because we can die to sin. So here's some more good news. Not only is your sin forgiven, but you can die to your sin. You don't have to continue living in sin. You don't have to continue being rotten. Turn and tell the person next to you, you don't have to keep being rotten. Don't be rotten. Say it, just shorten it. Don't be rotten. You can be not only forgiven, but you can die to self, to the sinful, selfish nature. And so in baptism, we go into the water and, and just the symbolism of this is that when we go into the water, we are dying to self. This is an outward sign of an inward work that we're dying to our sinful, selfish nature. And then we're brought out again something new. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. You don't have to stand this time. I won't make you stand every time. But what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? I mean, we're forgiven. Should we just keep sinning because we're forgiven? No, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we too may live a new life. Praise God. Praise God. Grace is flowing in baptism. It's an outward sign of the inward work of what Jesus has done and our complete surrender and dying to sin. That's something we're celebrating. God is good. The article goes on, it says, it is to be administered to believers, indicating their full purpose of obedience and holiness and righteousness. My brother-in-law, Kevin, is a pastor, and, and he always says something that's really good. He says, it's not just about what we're being saved from, it's about what we're being called to. I just butchered, that's not how he says it, but that's the general thing that he means. It's not just about being saved from something, it's about being saved to something, to new life. We, baptism is, we are dying to self, being dunked underwater, signifying, being a symbol of 
our dying to self, but we are raised to life, indicating our full purpose of obedience and holiness and righteousness. When you're baptized, you're saying, thank you for forgiving my sins. I surrender my heart completely, and I commit to live for you completely, to be righteous and holy and obedient. Now, let me just, let me burst some bubbles here. You can say all you want, I'm going to be righteous. I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to be holy. But you cannot, in your own power, be righteous and holy. You can't do it. It's impossible. I can't even go three days without drinking soft drinks. Do you know how many times I've tried to stop drinking soft drinks or go on a diet? And like three days in, I, I just, we can't, on our own power, we can't make ourselves holy and righteous. But baptism is grace flowing. It's about what Jesus has done. It's about what Jesus is doing and what Jesus will do. The good news is this. On our own, we can't be holy and righteous. But Jesus is at work through the Holy Spirit cleansing us and purifying us and calling us to new life. Good news. We don't have to live like the rest of the world, being hateful and hurtful and divided. We are called to a better way. And this isn't arrogance. This isn't saying we're better than everyone else. This is saying that God has something better for us. And the grace that is flowing in baptism is the outward sign of the inward work of us being purified and made holy and righteous. You know, in a wedding, it's not the end of the relationship, right? There's what God has done bringing people together, but there's also this what God is doing in uniting, and then there's what God will do. Megan and I are not in the same place that we were 18 years ago. We've grown in our love in our marriage. Baptism is not just about what Jesus has done, about what he is doing and what he will do. We are becoming holy like him. Verse 5 of chapter 6 in Romans. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body that was ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You are called. You are called to life. And Christ, praise God. And so grace flows because we have new life in Christ. 
So, so the, the first part of, of grace flowing is the acceptance, the signifying acceptance of the atonement, right? That's what we just talked about. The fact that Jesus died for us, the fact that, that we are dying to self, the fact that we are being made new, made whole, made righteous and holy. There's a second thing that's happening in baptism that we celebrate. And it goes on and it says, and incorporation into the body of Christ. There's another beautiful thing that happens in baptism. So, so get this picture with me. Picture the two, three hundred of us in here. We're all living for ourselves. We all have our own path. We're all living for our own purpose, our own glory. We've got our own plans and it's not about something else. It's about me. And so, so I'm living for my plan and, and you're living for your plan and someone else is living for theirs and we're going in all these different directions. And in baptism, we have an outward sign of an inward work where we are surrendering our plans and living for his plan. So there's this beautiful thing that's happening in baptism where it's not just about this change in our hearts, but where the church comes together in sacrament and we are united and made one. Grace flows because we are one in Christ. That's a beautiful thing. Some of you may wonder why we, why we got a new, like, I don't know if everyone knows this, if you're pretty new to the church, but there's a baptismal back behind that screen and it's beautiful. And listen, I know some of you love that baptismal and so do I, it's beautiful. But there's a reason we got a new one and we put it out here in front. It's because we believe in baptism, we are being united as one and we wanted all of us to understand this picture of us experiencing and being brought together and there's this beauty when we're all together. There's nothing wrong with the old baptismal, it's great. But I love the picture of us coming together and being unified and made one in Christ. Grace flows as we become unified. Let's be honest, the world is about as divided as it can be. Whether it's a new ruling in the Supreme Court or whether it's a new law or a new president or uh, whatever it is, gas prices, you name it, whatever, the world is divided over it. They wanna hate each other, they wanna fight over it. We as the people of God are called to be united for one purpose in one baptism for one God. That's beautiful, that's worth celebrating. And so baptism is meant to bring us together. I wanna to end by just talking about a few questions that you might have in your mind, questions that I've heard before. So baptism is meant to unify, to bring us together. The truth of the matter is baptism has been something that has been used to divide the church at points. We don't all believe the same things about baptism. There are some people that as I read our article of faith, would really disagree with the way that we believe in baptism. And people have been divided over this. Let me tell you that God's plan for baptism was not division, but unity. And can I tell you that our brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church and the Baptist Church and all the other denominations are wonderful, wonderful people that are doing their best to follow God. And you know what, I'm good with that. And I'm not here, one of the things I love about the Nazarene church is we're not here to stand in judgment of other churches. We're here to be obedient to Jesus Christ. And so baptism for us is a, an act of obedience, an act of unity, but because of some of the different things, you may have heard some things before. 
Let, let me read the end of it again, because um, this is where it gets different in different denominations. It is to be administered to believers, indicating their full purpose of obedience and holiness and righteousness. There are some people that think it's not okay to baptize somebody who is not yet a believer. Now, listen, we believe that it's a great thing for believers to be baptized. There are some churches and denominations that, that do not allow for infant baptism or, or baptism before you come to the age of accountability, as we would call it. Listen, we don't get legalistic about baptism. We believe it's not about what we are doing, but about what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do. And so we're not going to get legalistic about it. And so a couple questions that have come up. The end of it says, um, as participants in the new covenant, young children and the morally innocent may be baptized upon the request of parents and guardians. And some people would just be so upset at that. Um, the church shall give assurance of Christian training. Baptism may be administered by sprinkling, pouring, or immersion. And there are some people that would really struggle with that because some people really have set beliefs. We believe baptism is about obedience. And if God is calling parents to have an infant baptized, we do not say that's, listen, this is about what God does, not what we do. We, we're willing to baptize someone under, there are some churches that believe baptism isn't adequate unless you go under the water. They don't, they don't believe in sprinkling. And listen, God bless them. They're, they're good people, they're good churches. But we believe it's not about the method it's about obedience. So here's a couple questions I've heard I just want to answer really quick. Um, number one, does my baptism count? If you were baptized before you knew what you were doing, if you were baptized when you were an infant, if you were baptized by sprinkling, any of these ways, some churches might tell you that your baptism doesn't count. Listen, your baptism counts 100%. If you are obediently following Jesus Christ, it's about what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do, and your baptism is all good. Stand assured. The second question I hear sometimes is, should I be baptized again if that was the case? And, and this is the answer I give every time. Be obedient to Jesus Christ. If you feel led to be baptized again because you were not accountable for what you were deciding to do the first time, great, be obedient. That's what we want is full obedience to Jesus Christ. And so if you feel that you're being led to baptism again, we're not gonna stand in the way of that. Absolutely, grace is flowing, God is good. Let's celebrate. Does how we are baptized matter? We believe no, it's not about the method. It's about an outward sign of an inward work that Jesus Christ is doing. So, so here's where I wanna to end today. This isn't just about baptism. You heard the scriptures talking about Jesus giving his life so that we could be forgiven and justified. Listen, if there is anybody in here today, we, we talk about the outward work of uh, the outward sign of the inward work. There may be some people today that haven't experienced the inward work of accepting Jesus Christ as your savior. If there's anybody in here today that has not accepted Christ, you, you know that you've been selfish and sinful, but you've never said, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. I want forgiveness for my sins and I wanna live for you. Today is the obedience is saying yes to Jesus Christ and seeking salvation through surrender.
Maybe there's some of you in here today that you're baptized a long time ago, but maybe, maybe God's laying it on your heart today to say, hey, you need to be baptized again. Be obedient. Maybe there's some of you that have been following Jesus for a long time, but you haven't been obedient to the command to be baptized. Listen, today I believe that everybody who is a follower of Christ is called to be baptized. Please be obedient to what God's calling you to do. But there, there may be some of you that are all good with the baptism. You're all good with salvation. But maybe there's something that, that God's speaking to you about today, about becoming more like him. I'll just tell you right now, in first service, I was sitting over there as we were singing and as I was praying, and God said, you gotta give me more time. You gotta spend more time in my word. That's not saying I don't spend time in God's word, but I wanna be more and more in tune and in line. So some of you may hear from God something special today about going deeper. This is what I ask. The worship team's gonna come up. We're gonna sing a song called, um, uh, um, called Open Space. My heart is an open space for you to come and have your way. I wanna pray for us and I want everyone while we sing this song to just open your heart and your mind and say, God, what is it that you would have me do? What is my next step? And let's all be obedient to where God calls us today. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your grace that, that Jesus, you came and died on a cross when I didn't deserve it and paid the price for my sins. Lord, if there's anyone in here that, that hasn't accepted you as their savior, I pray that as we sing this song, that you would just open their hearts and that they would surrender to you. Lord, there may be some today that, that you wanna to call to take the next step. Maybe it's baptism, Lord. If that's the case, help us to be obedient. But maybe there's just something you wanna to point to in our life and you want us to just surrender a little bit more and you wanna just call us a little bit deeper, Lord. Help us to be obedient to you. Let your grace flow today. I pray that your spirit would move and help our hearts to be open space for you to work in Jesus' name.